Thanks, Joe. Um, so this morning, I wanted to um, I wanted to talk. Uh, last week, we looked at um, lessons from a blind man. We looked at the story of the blind man, and um, we looked at how um, how the blind man um, just told his own story and um, didn't have all the answers, didn't have all the theology, didn't have um, all the learning and all the smart arguments, but he just told his story. And um, if you haven't had opportunity to see that yet, that's online. You can catch that at um, your community church website. Uh, but this morning, I want to look at the story of Gideon. I know the children have been um, looking at this. If you've been doing pictures and coloring stories of Gideon, then send them in. We'd love to see them. Um, but this morning, I want to look at the story of Gideon. Um, so this is a story from Judges chapter 6. Um, it might be a story that you know, and I'm not going to read the whole text, but we're going to skip through a few verses. But we'll start in verse 1, I think, chapter 6, verse 1. Um, and it says this, The Israelites did evil in the eyes of the Lord, and for seven years he gave them into the hands of the Midianites. Because the power of Midian was so oppressive, the Israelites prepared shelters for themselves in mountain clefts, caves, and strongholds. So it seems they were all living in a little bit of isolation. Whenever the Israelites planted their crops, the Midianites, Amalekites, and other eastern peoples invaded the country, and they camped on the land and ruined the crops all the way to Gaza and did not spare a living thing for Israel, neither sheep, nor cattle, nor donkeys. They came up with their livestock and their tents like swarms of locusts. It was impossible to count them or their camels. They invaded the land to ravage it. Midian so impoverished the Israelites that they cried out to the Lord for help. And now, I tried to come up with an image that um, presented maybe some of how they felt that might be able to something we could relate to. And this, this is the image um, that I came up with. Um, empty supermarket shelves. There was nothing, um, there was nothing left. Um, another way of reading that text might be might to say something like, um, the Midianites, Amalekites, and other Eastern peoples invaded the country. They camped on the land and ruined all the food all the way to Gaza and did not spare a living thing for Israel, neither chicken, nor pasta, nor even toilet rolls. They came up with their four-by-fours and their bags for life, and they took everything like swarms of locusts, just to try and contextualize it for us. These... These people, these Israelites were living in the fear that there was nothing left on the shelves. And so we'll read on. So then um, in the middle of this, it says, The angel of the Lord came and sat down under the oak in Oprah that belonged to Joash the Abizrite. Now, a lot of those are big words, and a lot of those are words that you might not understand. But um, the angel of the Lord um, might be an angel, might be God himself. Um, there's different ways of understanding that in the Old Testament. And he sat down um, under the oak in Ophrah. Now, Ophrah was just inside the Israelite territory, and the Midianites were just the other side of the border. Like, Ophrah was Yeovil, and the Midianites are all the people from Sherborne. If that kind of makes sense to those of us who are local to here, and they just kept coming over with their 4x4s and buying all the stuff from our supermarkets, that's the sort of thing that's going on. And it belongs, and this oak there, this oak is this symbol of um, permanence. You know, they kind of have that certainty and that um, security about them, don't they? And and the angel of the Lord came and sat down under the oak in Ophrah that belonged to Joash the Abizrite. And Abizrite means helper. 
where his son, Jerush's son, Gideon, was threshing wheat in a wine press to keep it from the Midianites. Now, again, this might not make a lot of sense, but that's a very strange thing to do because, you see, to thresh wheat, what you needed was open air. You did it on a flat piece of land, but fairly high up. So the, as you threw the wheat up into the air, the wind would blow through it, and it would take out all the chaff, and it would leave, leave the essence, the good stuff, the stuff that you need. So you would throw it up into the air, and the wind would come through, and it would leave you with the good stuff. And that's how you thresh wheat. So you do it out in the open air. A wine press is not out in the open air. A wine press is dug into the ground. It's underground. So this might give you a sort of funny little image of this of this pit in the ground that is a wine press where you throw all the grapes in and then you tread them out and you and you crush them down. And and that's what a wine press is. And and what what Gideon is doing is he's in this underground like pit that trying to thresh wheat, but obviously there's no wind coming through. So if you might like all you'd be able to see if you were nearby was every now and again this lot of wheat kind of coming up above ground and the wind blowing through and it dropping down, almost like a cartoon with his head popping up and petting in and, and wheat popping up and popping down. And, and that's what's going on here, that Gideon is trying to thresh wheat in a wine press. And maybe a number of us are trying to do things, not unlike me this morning, trying to do things in a place we're not used to doing them or that's not designed to do them. I'm trying to, and we're trying to do church from home um, this morning and stream from different places. And maybe that's a little bit like we're all trying to thresh wheat in a wine press. Like it's, this isn't the natural place for us to do this, but that's what Gideon is doing because it's this critical thing. He, this is the only way he can get food because he needs to keep it from the Midianites. So that when the angel of the Lord appeared to Gideon, he said, the Lord is with you, mighty warrior. Now, my temptation here is to read that with a little bit of a sarcastic tone to it. Well, the Lord is with you, mighty warrior, because here's Gideon, this small man in this pit, trying to thresh wheat in the wrong place because he's scared of the Midianites. And so he's kind of in the ground and trying to and throwing this wheat up every now and again so the wind might catch up a bit, so it might sort it out. And the angel's kind of looking at him, kind of going, wow, the Lord's with you, mighty warrior. Because this is not an impressive figure. This is a guy that looks afraid, that looks a bit pathetic. And we find out later in the text, he's going, but I am the youngest in the smallest clan. I'm the most pathetic of everybody in all of Israel. And here he is, and the angel of the Lord's looking at him going, wow, the Lord is with you, mighty warrior. But, and that's how I'd read it, except I don't think God does sarcasm. So... You know, it's, we all know it's the lowest form of wits. So I don't think God does sarcasm. So maybe, maybe what God's doing here is looking at Gideon and seeing his potential, not seeing what Gideon sees, which is the fear, the uncertainty that, well, I don't really know how to survive in this environment. I don't really know what to do. I'm going to, I'm just going to hide from these other armies that are around, and I'm just going to. Like, he looks a bit pathetic, but what God sees. What God sees is a, a man who's going to save the nation. And so um, the angel of the Lord says to him, the Lord is with you, mighty warrior, which might have come as a bit of a shock to Gideon, who's kind of going, oh, my goodness, like, I don't feel very mighty. Like, who are you talking to? I mean, if, if he wasn't convinced there was nobody else there, he's probably doing a 360 just to look behind him to see who this guy's talking to because it couldn't possibly be him. And yet 
it is him. And so, and so we move on. So in the, there was a, um, there was a talk given yesterday by um, Pope Francis, um, an address given to an empty square um, because of these extraordinary times. And it was an extraordinary sermon that he preached. And if you have the time, please go and read it. Please go and um, look it up because it was extraordinary. And in it um, was this phrase. He said this, in the midst of isolation, we experience the loss of so many things. Let us once again listen to the proclamation that saves us. He is risen and is living by our side. And this image that we have of Gideon on his own, in isolation, in fear, in unusual circumstances, trying to survive, trying to figure out how to do life. And yet right in that middle of that isolation, right in the middle of that fear, of that uncertainty, right in the middle of that change, right in that middle of his being entirely, feeling entirely alone, God is right by his side. God is right with him. God meets him there and speaks a message of hope. The Lord is with you, mighty warrior. And I think that's something that I want us all to hear this morning. Whatever our lockdown looks like, whatever our circumstance looks like, whether you are on your own or whether you're in an overfull house like we are, because that's when the lockdown happened, um, like wherever you are, the Lord is with you. He is risen and is living by our side. In our isolation, in our loneliness, may we encounter God in a new way. See, we don't have to be all together on a Sunday morning for the Spirit of God to be with us. God is with us. And so Gideon's response is a little bit confused. He says, pardon me, my Lord. But if the Lord is with us, why has all this happened to us? That's a question, isn't it? That might be a question that some of you are asking this week. Where are you in this, God? And we're trying to make sense. Well, is this something that God has done? Is this something that God's created? Is this something God is using? Is this, what, where is God in the middle of this? Why has he allowed this to happen? If God is God, why, why are we in this situation? And let me just address that. Um, a little bit. I I spoke last week about God is not the God, not that God who punishes us or causes bad things to happen to teach us a lesson, or God is not that God. That is not the God that is revealed through Scripture. But the God that is revealed through Scripture is a God of opportunity who will turn things that are meant for harm for good, a God that will turn the good for bad, a God who will work with us in partnership with us to bring good in all situations. And so Gideon's asking a very honest question. Look, you say you're with us, but look at all these things that are going on. But I honestly believe that it's in those moments, in those moments maybe where we feel most bereft, in those moments where we feel most disconnected, that we experience God in whole new ways. And that's something I pray for each of us this morning. That's something I encourage each of us um, this week. So 
So then carries on, where are all his wonders that our ancestors told us about when they said, did not the Lord bring us up out of Egypt? But now the Lord has abandoned us and given us into the hands of Midian. Because you see, we might all have stories that we can look back on and go, well, I remember when, or I heard this story back when of when God did great things. And we're all waiting for God to intervene. We're all waiting for God to do the big miracle thing and to intervene. I don't believe that whatever moment we're in, whatever time we're in, God's just going to impose himself and God's just going to do something without our partnership. God's not going to do something despite of us. God is doing something. God is doing a new thing. This thing is coming, but God invites us to partner with him in it. God invites us to be part of it. And that's what this next part of the section says. So he says, the Lord turned to him and said, go in the strength you have and save Israel out of Midian's hand. Am I not sending you? Go in the strength you have. You know, it's really, I'm sure for all of us, it's like, as I've said, these are unusual times and these are extraordinary circumstances. And maybe we're all asking the question of what is it that God's asking me to do? And I would encourage you all, I would encourage you all to um, spend some time with God exploring that. But this feels like a verse for today, for this moment. Go in the strength you have. Work with what you have. Do what you need to do or what God's going to do in with the resources and with the context, with the space, with the, with the courage that you have. Go and work with what you have in your neighborhoods, in your homes, where you are, with your resources, and do the things God's called you to now because God is sending us. We'll skip on to the next chapter. And this is where this is where Gideon has thrown out all these tests and he's he's tested God. And he's got, oh we'll do the if you can do this, then I'll do it. I'm gonna leave this fleece out and, and if it's dry in the morning and all the ground's wet, then then great, I'll believe you. And then that happens. He goes, well, actually, now do it the other way. Now if the fleece is wet and the ground's dry, then, then I'll believe you. And he goes, so he does it that way. And God is incredibly gracious and incredibly patient with Gideon. He just requires test after test after test, confirmation after confirmation after confirmation. And again, let me encourage you with that, that maybe you have a sense that God's been calling you to do something for a while now, something quite scary maybe, something quite dramatic, something quite significant that means a dramatic shift in your life or your circumstances or whatever that might be. And you, maybe God's already given you a couple of confirmations or God's prodded you two or three times. But don't worry, God isn't going to be unduly annoyed if you keep asking him. Ask him again. But at some point, we're going to have to do what Gideon does and get up and act on it. And that's what we see Gideon doing here in this, in this chapter. Early in the morning, Gideon and all his men camped at the spring of Herod. The camp of Midian was north of them in the valley near the hill of Morah. The Lord said to Gideon, you have too many men. I cannot deliver Midian into their hands, or Israel would boast against me. My own strength has saved me. Now announce the army. Anyone who trembles with fear may turn back and leave Mount Gilead. So 22,000 men left, while 10,000 remained. This is a fabulous um, Half the story. A, they're about to face 135,000 in men. There's a, this, this armament against them is 135,000. And they have 32,000 men. And God goes, no, no, you've got too many. 
those aren't sport to one. That's I can't. That's you're going to think that you did it in your own strength. You're going to think you're all heroes, and you're going to think that you did this because you're mighty warriors. So you've got too many men. I need you to have less. And he goes, anyone who's afraid can go. Sorry about that, everybody. This is all part of the uh, of the new. Um, I think I was talking about the ten thousand, and um, this ten thousand went down to three. And all of this was to enable God. Um, to make the point that actually whenever God does what he's going to do, so when God has done it, you will be in no doubt that it was God who did it. You see, God is not restricted by our lack of ability. God is not restricted by our lack of ability. God is only restricted by our lack of availability. You see, so often we think it's our ability that I can't possibly do this because um, I can't possibly do this because I don't have the ability. I don't have the, I can't possibly do this because I don't have the ability. I'm not strong enough. I'm not courageous enough. I don't have the right resources. I can't make that choice. I can't, whatever it might be, I'm, I don't have the right skills. But God is not restricted by our lack of ability. God is only restricted by our lack of availability. Are we available to do whatever it is that God says? Because God will do it. You know, see, for Gideon, the lessons from this are God met Gideon right where he was, in his isolation, in his loneliness, in his despair, in his confusion. But God saw Gideon's potential. He didn't see the weak, scared, small man. He saw a man who, was gonna, who God was going to use to lead his nation to victory. And Gideon went with what he had. Gideon went with exactly what he had. He didn't. God said, go with what you have, and I will do it. And that's exact. Gideon was obedient to that. Gideon brought his availability, and God did it. What I want to do now is I want to invite us to put ourselves in that place, maybe where Gideon was, maybe in our isolation maybe in our loneliness, maybe in our feeling a little bit disconnected and a bit far from God. And, you know, when we're all together, it's really easy to encounter the Spirit and to experience God. But I, I believe profoundly that God is with us right where we are, that the Spirit is with us right where we are. And so what I want us to do is I'm going to invite Joe to play. We're going to invite Joe to play. And I'm going to invite the Spirit. I'm going to pray right where we are that Jesus meets us right where we are as a family on our own um, in whatever community we're in right now in whatever space we're in right now Spirit we want to invite you to God we want to invite you to meet I'm going to put this slide up that has the quote from In the midst of isolation, we experience the loss of certain things. Let us once again listen to the proclamation of Satan. He is risen and is living by our time. May that be our reality.